The Sunday School lesson that you're about to listen to can be found at newfoundfaith.org. Be sure to take a moment to go there and subscribe for email notifications so that you can never miss a lesson. Lessons are shared every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Eastern. This week's Sunday School lesson, lesson number four in the winter quarter, the birth of the Savior. This week's lesson is being taught from the second chapter of Luke, starting at the first verse and going through the 17th verse. Be sure to pause the audio now so that you can read over the scripture for today's lesson. Thanks again for listening and be sure to share this week's lesson with someone somewhere. Our lesson this week is our Christmas Sunday school lesson. So I say Merry Christmas to all of you. I hope that all of you will have a wonderful Christmas. And I hope that if you happen to be listening to this on Christmas Day, I hope that again, all of you are not only enjoying the gifts, but that all of you are recognizing the birth of Christ. That is what we're going to actually be taking a look at here in our Sunday school lesson this week. For the past three weeks, we have essentially been taking a look at the foretelling of Christ, both in New Testament scripture and then going all the way back to Old Testament uh, scripture as well. We're going to actually go back to Old Testament scripture here in our Sunday school lesson for this week as well. On this, the last Sunday of the year, again, we are celebrating Christmas. And again, I hope that all of you are having a wonderful Christmas So let us go ahead and let us jump right into our Sunday school lesson for this week, because we are here to talk about the birth of Christ. Our Sunday school lesson this week, it opens up by saying there in the first verse, it says, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So uh, all the world there we should understand was essentially uh, the Roman Empire. At that time, again, we have to remember Uh, that the Jews, Jerusalem, the land of Judah, uh, it was the land of Judah was a province of Rome. All of the known world at that time is according to those that were living up under Roman authority. All the lands that were living up under Roman authority, all the world there does not mean, for example, our side of the world. Okay. It's not talking about places like our side of the world. It's just talking about Uh, those known worlds at that time within uh, the Roman Empire. We know that there were borders to the Roman Empire. Uh, We know that the Roman Empire, yes, it was expanding, okay, but the expansion stopped at a point in time uh, as well. So that's what is meant there uh, by all the world, okay? Uh, That all the world within Rome uh, was to be registered. So a census, essentially, there was a registration for all the people Uh, living in the lands that were under uh, Roman authority. The second verse essentially tells us that as well. The second verse, it says, This census first took place while Quirinius uh, was governing Syria. Okay, Uh, that gives us a time frame, uh, and I'm not going to jump into that really, uh, but it gives us a time frame of essentially uh, when this census occurred. The third verse says there, So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Uh, Again, this is when it says all went to be registered. It's talking about, again, all of those that lived under Roman authority. 
Okay. And all of those, as we're going to see here, um, it includes those who were Jews, Mary and David, as we'll see here in the fourth and fifth verse, they had to take part in this census. They had to go and they had to be registered. Everyone to his own city, essentially uh, his own hometown, birthplace, if you will. Because again, we saw this in our Sunday school lesson last week. We know uh, the hometown uh, for for Mary and Joseph was Nazareth, a city of Galilee. But birthplace wise, essentially where their folks were from, OK, may have not been Nazareth. It may have not been uh, a city that was in Galilee. Uh, we are told exactly where both Mary and Joseph, where they went to go. And all of us are familiar with this story. Right. We're told here in the fourth verse, it says Joseph also went up from Galilee. So Joseph, again, he had to take part in this census. So he left Galilee, we're told. He went out of the city of Nazareth, we're told. He went into Judea it, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. That's something that we touched on in our Sunday school lesson last week. In our Sunday school lesson last week, I, I mentioned how uh, Jesus could actually lay claim to the throne through Joseph, even though uh, Jesus did not come through the seed of Joseph. Jesus could lay claim to the throne of David through the marriage of Mary and Joseph. At this point in time, they were not married yet. OK, uh, we, we will see here in the fifth verse that uh, Mary and Joseph, they were still engaged. They had yet to have married. OK, so Jesus could lay claim once Mary and Joseph got married. He could lay claim through Joseph because we know that the lineage of Joseph, that it traces back to David. OK, J Joseph's genealogy, his lineage is the one that is mentioned there in the first chapter. If you go over to the first chapter of Matthew's gospel, you see that genealogy. You see the lineage that is of David. That is actually why Matthew's book. That is why his gospel actually is the first uh, book of the New Testament, not because it was first written. The oldest book, the first one that was written in the New Testament is Mark. Uh, but Matthew's gospel comes first because it gives that genealogy. It gives a full lineage there of Jesus. It comes through, however, that lineage. It comes through uh, Joseph there. And again, we are told that he went to Bethlehem because he was of the house of and lineage of David. But the fifth verse, it leaves us with a question. The fifth verse says there uh, that he was to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. It is very interesting that, that Mary is being brought to, to Bethlehem. Now, some of us will go, oh, well, it's not all that interesting. I mean, they're engaged is what we would say. So yeah, of course he brought uh, his his future wife to with him uh, to Bethlehem. But what's significant here is that Mary had to register in Bethlehem as well, because Bethlehem was essentially her hometown as well. That's where her folks were from, uh, from as well. And if you listen to our Sunday school lesson last week, then you know exactly what I'm about to, to touch on. You know exactly what I'm about to get into. You see, 
if Mary was of another house, she would not have gone to Bethlehem. What I mean by this is that Mary was also of the house and lineage of David. It wasn't just that Joseph was of the house and lineage of David. It was also that Mary, they, they both had to go to Bethlehem to register part of this census. Okay. They both had to do it, not because they were going to marry one another, but because Mary was also of the house and the lineage of David. This again, if you didn't listen to my Sunday school lesson last week, if you did listen to our lesson last week, my teaching of it, tucked away, hidden in Luke's gospel is the lineage of Mary. If we turn over to the third chapter, if you go to the very next chapter of Luke's gospel, okay, if you go to the third chapter, you look at the 23rd through uh, the 38th verse, you will see the lineage of Mary. Okay. Now, when we look at that, if you look at the opening of, of that lineage, okay, it will it will be kind of confusing at first because it will read as if the lineage is of Joseph. It says there uh, that it was Joseph, the son of Heli. Okay, is what we see there in that verse. And so it would make, you know, if someone was just a glance at it, they're not really studying scripture. They're just reading through uh, scripture. They would think that that lineage is of Joseph. However, if you go from the third chapter of Luke's gospel over to the first chapter of Matthew's gospel, then you will see that the lineage reads very differently. Okay, in that lineage, as it is recorded in Matthew's gospel, we're told that Jacob begat Joseph. And that's not talking about the Jacob of the uh, of, you know, Jacob named Israel back in the book of Genesis. That's not who's being spoken of there in that lineage. OK, this is speaking of Joseph. OK, the Joseph that would marry Mary, Mary, uh, Mary OK. Um, and speaking of that, Joseph, that Joseph was was born from a man named Jacob. OK. So in, in, in Matthew's gospel, in the first chapter, if you look at the 16th verse, that lineage, we are told that Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, okay, of whom again was born Jesus. So why are, are, are Matthew and are Luke, are they mixing things up here? Are they confused to the lineage of Jesus? No, absolutely not. They haven't confused anything. And at that point in time, in that day, okay, some will say, ah, oh, this is a bit misogynistic at what I'm about to say now. But the fact of the matter is, at that point in time, in those days, that uh, it was more common for the lineage for the wife to be uh, signed off as being up under the husband. Okay, does that, I, of course, I don't think that's going to make much sense to us today because we say, right, well, this sounds very misogynistic is what we would say uh, today. Um, but Heli, Heli is not the father of Joseph. Heli is the father of Mary. Okay. So, you know, we would under, a lot of us would understand that passage of scripture in the third chapter of Luke's gospel better. Uh, if it simply said that, Hey, this is the lineage of Mary. Okay. Uh, if we were told that this is Mary, the daughter of Heli. It will make a lot more sense to us, right? Okay. Um, so, so Heli was not the father of Joseph. Heli was the 
the father of Mary. Okay. And so the reason again, why Mary needed to return to Bethlehem, as we will see, if, as you look through that lineage there in the third chapter of Luke's gospel, you will see that her lineage is connected to David. Her connection to David is not through Solomon. Her connection to David is through David's other son that was named Nathan. Nathan, we should understand, was the third son born through David and Bathsheba. Okay, technically speaking, uh, this was actually the fourth son of David and Bathsheba. We have to remember that uh, the first son died as an infant because of the sin, the great sin of David. Okay, but again, Nathan was essentially the third one that lived, that actually lived a life. Okay, um. And again, he was Nathan was the younger brother to Solomon. So that was Mary's connection to the house of David. OK, she was connected to to David through through that manner. And again, uh, as we know, David goes all the way back. You can trace David all the way back to Judah uh, as well. OK. All right. So now we know why both Joseph and Mary, we know why they were there in Bethlehem. Uh, we are told here as our lesson continues on there uh, in the sixth verse, it says, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Okay, she's now ready to give birth to Jesus. The seventh verse says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. All of us. We know that story very well. We have sung the song about uh, how Jesus, you know, away in a manger. We have sung that song a lot this year, right? We've probably heard that song. If you listen to the Christmas music on the radio, you've probably heard that song saying a lot. But this again, as I've been mentioning uh, in recent weeks as well, the fact that they were in Bethlehem and the fact that Mary gave birth to Jesus in Bethlehem as well it fulfills prophecy, which again is very significant, very important to the Lord. The fulfilling of prophecy is God keeping his promises. Uh, found in the book of Micah. Okay, we say Micah is a minor prophet. But in the small book of Micah, in the fifth chapter, if you look at the second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth verse, you will find uh, the prophecy uh, of Bethlehem, Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. OK, the prophecy, it states there in that scripture that uh, though Bethlehem Ephrathah was little among thousands of Judah, one would come forth to the Lord, the one to be ruler in Israel. And again, that prophecy was speaking about the Messiah, the one that would save the world. God's only begotten son was born in the small, tiny city, the city of David, uh, Bethlehem. So I always say this about the Lord. God is very poetic. <laughs> he is very poetic uh, when it comes to fulfilling to fulfilling prophecies. And there's never a coincidence with God. That's just God uh, being poetic. Things happen to rhyme uh, with the Lord. Everything always seemingly go in full circle. Uh, with the Lord. That is, again, God being eternal. That is God keeping his promises. He does not uh, break away. All right. 
Now, we get into a passage of scripture here uh, from the 8th through the 17th verse here in our Sunday school lesson uh, that brings up some very interesting discussion uh, uh, is what we're going to get into here from, from the 8th through uh, the 17th verse. The 8th verse, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. The ninth verse says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. So again, uh, we, we get an angel of the Lord, okay? Not the angel, but an angel of the Lord standing before uh, the shepherds, okay? And the glory, we we're told, the glory of God shone around them, and the shepherds, they are afraid. They were fearful of, of what they were, were witnessing there. And we're told here in the 10th verse, the 10th verse says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. We have seen that said a couple of times, a few times, haven't we, in recent weeks. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. They are speaking about the birth of Christ. The 11th verse says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So the shepherds are being told exactly what is happening in uh, the same country that they are busy shepherding in. Okay. Uh, Christ has been born. All right. Born. And they are told, we are told there in that verse, they are told exactly where the shepherd, where, where the Messiah uh, was born. They are told that he was born in the city of David. And again, the city of David uh, is Bethlehem. The 12th verse, it goes on to say, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. So they are not only told where Jesus was born, where the Messiah was born, but they are told what he is wrapped in. Okay. Uh, the condition, the state, if you will, that he will be in. Okay. So the angels, they knew very well, Hey, we're, we're going to deliver this message to these shepherds and the shepherds, of course, out of curiosity of wanting to know for themselves, they're going to go and they're going to find, uh, the Messiah. They're going to find, uh, this baby. Okay. And again, I think that's something if, if you want to take away from, from our lesson today, I believe that's something that all of us all of us should to take into to consideration as well. Now, all of us who genuinely believe we've already done this, uh, Christ has been preached to us. We have heard of him and we sought him, right? We sought him. And because we sought him in truth, we found him in truth. The Lord Jesus does not hide himself from, from mankind. But like I said, in our Sunday school lesson last week, there are many people who make the birth of Christ. a stone of stumbling in for them, Jesus is hard to find. Uh, the reason why he is hard to find is because essentially they don't want to find him. If you really want to know Jesus, if you really want to find him, Jesus can be found. He's not going to hide himself uh, from you. The message of Christ has been spread throughout our world. Again, it, it, it first began here, as we see today, uh, it began with the angels. And we've seen this in recent weeks as well. Gabriel gave that message to Zacharias. Uh, then he gave that message to Mary. Okay. And here we are where the angels 
or an angel is giving a message to these shepherds. Okay. When you think about it, we had a Sunday school lesson about the forerunner of the Messiah, right? John the Baptist as the forerunner gave word of Christ that he was coming. Okay. That, that Christ was on the way that he had a word to share with the people. Right. And, and it will be on the people to, to heed that word from John the Baptist, to accept it, to trust in it, to believe in it, or to disregard it and to ignore it. Okay. We live in a world today where the apostles, they shared the good news. They shared the gospel with all of those that were around them from the day of Pentecost until their very last breath. They shared the good news of God. And the onus was then on the people who heard the message, who heard the good news to accept it, to trust in it, to believe it. Again, if they wanted to find Jesus, they could find him. Okay, because his truth, it was being shared. It was being spread throughout the world. Here we live in a world today where ministers like me share the good news. And when I say ministers like me, I don't want you to think just preachers because it's not just preachers that are to minister the good news. All of us who who genuinely believe today, we are to share the good news of Christ. Okay. And in sharing the good news of Christ, that is not only his birth, but his death, his resurrection, all of the things that he commanded and all of the things that he taught us. The onus is then on those who hear our sharing of this good news to believe in it or, again, disregard it. So if you want to find Jesus today, you can find him. The Lord has not hidden Christ away from us. He's made him, he's made Christ well known throughout the world. But the onus again is on the people to accept, to believe, to find him. Okay. The shepherds, we are told they have been given the message, right? And and we'll, we'll see here in the rest of our lesson that they are going to go and find him. The 13th verse, it says, and suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying there in the 14th verse, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The angels, they are rejoicing at the giving of Christ. That is the same way that we ought to be rejoicing today. We ought to be rejoicing in the giving of Christ and in his birth. And I would say to you at the same time, yes, we are celebrating the birth of Christ, but I celebrate it all. I celebrate the total giving of Christ. Christ was given. He was born, but he was also given to become the propitiation of our sins so that, again, through his atonement offering, okay, we can find grace. We can find mercy in the eyes of God so that we one day can dwell with the Lord forever and evermore. Okay. So we today, we ought to be rejoicing. You ought to be rejoicing greatly. Okay. Not just because you receive some gifts. Okay. But you should be rejoicing because Christ was given to all of us. The 15th verse, it says, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. That is what you are supposed to do there, folks. 
when, 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 when the word has been made known to you, when the word of God has been made known to you, you should go and seek the Lord for yourself. This is something that you will hear me say. If you go and you listen to me preach, you will hear me say it time and time again. When I am preaching to you, when I am sharing a word to you, I want you to go in and to study for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Go and study for yourself. That is why I write out commentaries to Sunday school lessons. That is why I make my sermons available online. That is why I make Bible studies available online as well, because I want you to seek the Lord for yourself. I want you to know the Lord for yourself. I know the Lord. I am in fellowship with God. I make that information available to you today so that you can know God for yourself as well, so that you can taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good. I have already tasted and I have seen that God is good. Okay. I want you to know that God is good. Okay. These shepherds are again, are that example of, of what we are to do today. When the Lord has made his word known to us, okay, we should go and see. They said, let us now go to Bethlehem and see the things that has has come to pass. We can see the things that has come to pass in our life today when we allow ourselves, when we submit ourselves to the Lord, when we allow God to work on our behalf, we can see that the Lord is good. Okay. The 16th verse, it goes on to say they're in the 16th verse and they came with haste. They hurried. Okay says they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And the 17th verse says there, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the same which was told them concerning this child. What was very important was that the child was born, that the Messiah, that Christ was born in the world. Now we live in a day, and this is part of the lesson here. It is very important to me. We live in a world today where not many people are rejoicing today at the birth of Christ. And this is something that I've been saying, not in, I haven't really said it in this quarter. I actually said this in, in the fall quarter where in a Sunday school lesson, we were talking about the feast of tabernacles. And I was spoke about how the Holy feasts were to be cherished uh, for the Jews. They, they were to cherish the children of Israel. In general, they were supposed to cherish the holy days and they were supposed to remember God uh, on those holy days at the holy feast. We have a holy season to where the Lord should certainly be remembered. God should certainly be cherished. But unfortunately, we live in a time today where God is not cherished. God is very rarely remembered. OK, remembered by few is what I would say during the holy season. Not many of us will give thanks to God on Thanksgiving. And then when Christmas rolls around, not many of us again will remember the birth of Christ. We'll remember the fact that Christ was given. What we will remember is that gifts were given. And that's what we will look forward to. We will look forward to the gifts that were given up under the Christmas tree. But the truth of the matter is that the Christmas tree has nothing to do with the birth of Christ. Nor does the Christmas lights uh, has anything to do with the birth of Christ. Now, some of us will give gifts on Christmas because we say, hey, Christ received gifts on Christmas. 
But in actuality, many of us, we give gifts on Christmas without giving thought uh, to Christ as well. But this is a day to where we should be rejoicing that Christ was given. Yet on this day, there will be many that will say, well, Christ wasn't born on December 25th. And, and they will say it with great pride. They will say it uh, with great joy. As if you, the believer, don't know that Christ uh, wasn't born on December 25th. Nowhere have we ever said that Christ was born on December 25th. December 25th is simply designated as a day that we celebrate the birth of Christ. And so we should rejoice. Now, we know for certainty when Christ was resurrected from the grave. We know that Easter, Resurrection Sunday, we know the date for it. It is set for us in scripture. We know that it happened around the Feast of Passover. And yet many people still refuse to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. So I would wonder, well, if we knew, if we knew exactly when Jesus was born, would we celebrate that day? Okay, would it be celebrated? And I tell you today, I don't think so. Okay, there are many people, they, 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 they say, hey, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. And they say it with all kind of wit. They say it with all kind of snark. Okay, they believe that they have outsmarted the believer. But again, I would ask, I would ask, why does it matter? Because if you knew when Jesus was born, you probably, because you don't have faith in him, you probably wouldn't celebrate it in the first place. So why does it matter that we choose to celebrate the birth of Christ on December 25th? Because what we are doing, all of us who are of genuine faith, we're simply celebrating the fact that Jesus was given. Okay. Uh, there, again, there were people who, within our own lineage, don't know the day that they were born. And that's not me making fun of anybody. That's not me talking about anybody. Okay. That's just the truth of the matter. Okay. There are many people within, within our lineage. Okay. That don't know when they were born, but we celebrate, we give them a birthday. We celebrate a, a day for them. So why is it terrible for us to celebrate a date for Jesus being given to the world? It's as Paul said, Paul said that when one esteems one day above another and another esteems every day alike, let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. If we have designated the 25th to be the sacred day in which we celebrate the birth of Christ, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. God does not find anything wrong about that at all. So if anything on this day, because we have made this day sacred, we have made this day holy, uh, to give to God in celebrating his giving of his only begotten son, we should rejoice in this day. And, and again, I said this before, that is why I, I love this time of the year. Okay. I remember it's not like how it was when I was little. Uh, when I was little, I, I can recall how we had Christmas plays at church and those Christmas plays, they did wonders for, for people like me because they, they taught of the birth of Christ, okay? And again, I remember how, how it was when I was in preschool, okay, where, again, Jesus was essentially at the forefront, okay? It wasn't about uh, the Christmas gifts, okay? It was about 
was always about Jesus. Okay. But again, there will be those that argue Jesus wasn't born on the 25th. So for those of you that are curious, because I've been asked this before, uh, scripture does actually hint to us uh, a season, a time frame, at least of the birth of Christ that I do want to touch on because we've actually uh, gone over over the scripture here uh, in our lessons in uh, recent weeks. Uh, so for those of you who may be curious about uh, the time frame of when Jesus was born, uh, these next few minutes of our lesson today may be very interesting uh, for you. So scripture kind of hints at it. And some of us, we take time to try and theorize uh, the time frame of when Jesus was born. Here in our Sunday school lesson today is one of the major hints uh, to the season, the time of year of when Jesus was actually born. Uh, since we know he wasn't born on December 25th, right? Uh, it is said in scripture that, or not in scripture, but it is said that uh, Israel really only has two seasons. It has a, a hot season and a cold season. It has a, a season for essentially farming, for harvesting, and then it has a winter. It has a a cold season, Okay. Uh, so season wise, the hint that we see here in our Sunday school lesson for this week uh, is that the shepherds, they were able to actually be out in the fields at night. Uh, they were able to live in the fields. OK, they were we were told they were watching over their flock at night. OK, so we know that it wasn't a cold season because if it was a cold season and it was nighttime, most definitely. Uh, the shepherds, they would not have been out in the fields tending to uh, their flock. Their flock would not have been out uh, in, in the cold like that as well. So that's already a, a pretty major hint for us. OK, um, it wasn't a cold season. It wasn't a winter, uh, if you will, for or in the land of Israel uh, at that time. So we can we can eliminate the cold months. We can eliminate the winter months uh, for, for Jesus's, uh, birth, um, those months by the Jewish calendar. And then I can tie it into our calendar, uh, as well. Those months, according to the, the Jewish calendar are the months of Kislev, uh, which Kislev is around November, December timeframe, uh, the month of Tebeth, which is around the December, January timeframe for us today. And then the month, uh, Shabbat, which is around the January, February timeframe. And then you can throw in the month of Adar as well for the Jews, which is around the months of February and March. So essentially we know that uh, Jesus was not born in a season that essentially ran from uh, the month of November to March. Okay. So we, we know that Jesus was not born around that time frame. OK, so again, for those that like to pop up and say, hey, yeah, Jesus wasn't born December 25th, like it's, they're saying something brand new, like they are uh, being smarter than you are. We know we know it's just been designated for us because we have essentially designated uh, the months of November and December as our holy months, if you will. That's our holy season. OK, we have we have made this season sacred for us. And there again, like I said, there's not absolutely nothing uh, wrong about doing that as well. Now, there are others who began to theorize even more about the, the birth of Jesus and they, they can do it 
uh, through the announcements of Gabriel. Uh, they can do it through the conception of when John the Baptist uh, was conceived uh, in the womb of Elizabeth. Okay. Uh, again, this theory, it, it begins to be based off of scripture that we've already gone over in our Sunday school lesson as well. It is again believed that John was conceived around the time frame. If we go back to the first lesson that we had this quarter uh, in the first chapter of Luke's gospel, it goes around the time frame of the month of Sivan, which is the months of, of May and June, according to our calendar. Sivan is according to the Jewish calendar. The reason why the that month is picked out is uh, it, it goes according to Zacharias. We know, again, Zacharias was a priest and that he was serving uh, in the temple. So those that uh, theorized that that John the Baptist was conceived uh, in, in, in the month of Sivan, according to the Jewish calendar, they base it off of what was said uh, around Zacharias's time serving in uh, the temple, uh, as we saw in the first lesson that we had this quarter. Now, we had a lesson last week where we were told specifically that Gabriel was visited, uh, that Mary was visited by Gabriel, and we were told that it was in the sixth month uh, of Elizabeth carrying John the Baptist. So again, those that began to theorize Jesus's birth, according to the announcements uh, of Gabriel to uh, Zacharias and the announcement that Gabriel made with Mary, they base it off of the time frame of, again, John the Baptist uh, being conceived in Elizabeth's womb. So they will take from, from the month of Sivan, okay, they will count six months out. So six months out from Gabriel's announcement to uh, Zacharias with Elizabeth carrying John the Baptist would have been around Kislev, which, which, which again, uh, to tie it into our calendar, would have been around the month of December, late November, early December, mid-December, uh, if you will. So if, if Mary conceived Jesus in her womb shortly after Gabriel's announcement right to her uh, that she would conceive in her womb uh, the only begotten son of God, uh, they would then people that would theorize they would count from Kislev, they would count the nine months, and those nine months would land around the month of Tishri. Uh, the month of Tishri, according uh, by the Jewish calendar, according to our calendar, falls around the months of September and October. So they would count out the nine months of a normal pregnancy, right? from from the month of essentially December, okay? And they would count those nine months out to land into September. So the popular theory for those that may want to know, those who have the curiosity, uh, is that Jesus was born in September. Now, is that significant to us today? Does that make, is that a big deal for us today? No. The, the thing that is important for us is that Jesus was born. That is the most significant. That is the most important thing for us to know today is that Jesus was born. It does not matter when Jesus was born. The only thing that matters is the fact that he was born. Okay. But again, for all of you who may just out of curiosity want to know, 
the popular theory is that Jesus was born in September, which again, we have learned the month of Tishri is a very holy month uh, for Israel, for the children of Israel. We know that again, the day of atonement uh, takes place on the 10th day in the month. And then on the 15th day of the month uh, was where the Feast of Tabernacles uh, began as well. Uh, the day of atonement being the most sacred day of the month for uh, the children of Israel. And like I said earlier, uh, poetry, you know, there's there's a bit of poetry uh, if Jesus truly was born uh, in the month of Tishri, because it was in, again, with the Feast of Tabernacles, we know essentially uh, that what was celebrated was the children of Israel being set free from the bondage of, of Egypt, how they dwelt in booths uh, in the wilderness after they were set free from their bondage uh, in Egypt, okay? All right, so what are the biggest things that we can take away from our Sunday School lesson this week? Uh, yes, I would say the birth of the Savior, knowing that he was given, knowing that he was born. But our next biggest takeaway uh, that I would suggest to you today that, that you should take away from our Sunday School lesson today is seek the Lord. Uh, the Lord has made himself known to the world. And so we should seek the Lord. And if you seek the Lord, you will find him. That's what God said. Okay. And in that scripture from the seventh chapter of Matthew's gospel in the seventh verse, the Lord said that if you ask, he is going to answer. If you seek him, you will find him. Okay. If you knock on his door, it is going to be open to you. So the Lord has made himself known to the world. And what we should do, okay, is we should seek him. If you haven't sought the Lord, Seek him today and he will be found by you. Taste and see and you will find that the Lord is good. Do it for yourself. Okay. All right. So that is our Sunday school lesson for today. Again, I say to all of you, Merry Christmas. And I hope that all of you will come back for our Sunday school lesson next week as well as we begin into a new unit of lessons for the new year. Okay. Until that time, again, let us continue to keep one another lifted up in prayer. Pray for all people around you. You never know what anyone is going through. So certainly be prayerful. And again, let us continue out and about in grace and in love. That is our calling as a child of God to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So until next time, I'll continue to keep all you lifted up in my prayers. And I'll pray that the Lord continues to keep and to bless all of you.